Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining another episode of Retailistic. We are very excited to have as my co-host today, Corsite's own Philip Moore. And we want to welcome to our stage for the first time, Asaf from Versado. Welcome, Asaf. Thank you very much, Deborah. Excited to be here. And Philip. We're excited to have you. So maybe for those in the audience who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about Persado? Of course, always happy to talk about Persado. So Persado is a motivation AI platform that uses uh, generative AI for language to help companies talk to their customers as if they know them personally. Uh, in other words, it means that we are able to generate language for every customer communication for acquisition, upsell, cross-sell, CRM, loyalty, service communications across channels such as email, web, mobile, social, to drive or motivate customers to act. And we feel this is extremely important always and even more so in the current economic climate. So that's fascinating. In the execution of this for your uh, clients, can you talk a little bit about what that really means to the end user, like what they're seeing and where they're seeing it? Absolutely. So <clears throat> from an end user perspective, today users uh, and companies communicate with users a lot across digital channels. Uh, and we know that this is this is a growing trend, of course. Uh, if we look even at, at the next uh, holidays here and uh, Black Friday, for example, uh, I think that sales on digital will surpass sales offline as an example. So how people experience that, they experience that when they get an email <clears throat> or they go to visit a website or they open their mobile app, they see usually offers, promotions, uh, the company asking them to do something. And this is always carried with words. Now, these words matter. And what they experience is essentially the words, emotions, stories that fit them, that are tailored to them which means that they feel more compelled to interact with that communication. Uh, imagine that me as a human, I talk to somebody. Uh, if I know them, I know how to use language and emotions and again, storytelling to interact with them. This is what we allow companies to do via AI in a personal way. And the customer experienced that as a better, uh, more accurate or uh, tailored communications to them. You know, if we if we take that to kind of the the next logical step and we we look at this, you know, changing relationship between retailers and the consumer, and I think, you know, consumer expectations continue to rise and you know, we've got some challenges these days around personalization, et cetera, as we, we're moving to this kind of cookie-less world. I think some of the research that Corsi had done has suggested that, you know, seventy one percent of brands and retailers think they excel in personalized marketing and it's on the consumer side, it's 34%. So hence this, you know, kind of pretty phenomenal delta. Do you see this gap in consumer expectations and what retailers are delivering? And how do you think about the most important aspects of, of really kind of narrowing that gap? That's a very good question. So as, as a motivation AI company, and I focus on the AI, AI side, we see a gap and the gap we see is reflected in behavior more so than what people say. Do they interact with what you're telling them or not? Do they buy based on that or not? Do they become loyal or not? And we do see that a lot of brands are somewhere on a path to personalization, but the results are not there yet. Now, there are potentially two or three key reasons for that. One is that the efforts they do are focused, at least from what we see on 
building their data infrastructure and decisioning, but it's not yet connected to the experience. And as we know, consumers don't experience data, they experience content. So if whatever you invested in does not translate to an experience the customer sees, it is meaningless and therefore does not have an impact and misses the expectation of the consumer. Uh, there is a small aspect around the ability to measure what you're doing in personalization. So companies need to become sophisticated in measurement to understand the value. But the other massive area, and of course, this is where we also fit in as Persado, is language. So assuming I personalize to some extent offers to a group of customers, and let's say I have 20,000 20, customers and they are up based on my data, contextual or decisioning, to get a proposition for a given product. These 20,000 people will get the exact, the exact same experience language-wise today. While if you use AI to personalize the language, Not only you'll get them uh, a better experience, but uh, what you'll get is 41% more conversions on average. So this is a massive gap that exists that today, despite all the efforts in personalization that relates to data and decisioning on matching products to people or offers to people, the other enormous part, which is matching people to language, does not Uh, is not implemented and is available. And if it is implemented, then that gap is reduced enormously. Awesome. How do you, how do you get there? So what's the first party data that you need in order to figure out who needs to see what message? So <clears throat> first of all, when, when you apply AI in that way, so it's generative AI, it generates language and variations. In our case, it's, it's a language model that, um, was built specifically for enterprise communication and has certain elements of language tagged in it. So what are the emotions that a language, language carries? Emotions are, for example, achievement or excitement uh, or curiosity. Uh, and what stories do the, the language carries and what style of call to action, things like that. And this is matched to the client's first-party data. So clients have some first-party data, more or less, It can be contextual. What do people look at? What do people buy? Uh, if it's demographic data, what age they are, what marital status and other uh, attributes. And the AI is able to match the attributes the client has with the attributes we have on language and determine what is the best language for a given customer. And then it appears, of course, in the experience. So a customer actually sees and reads and interacts with an entity, the company, but digital, that talks to him as if it knew him and what he would like to hear from that company. And are you seeing on the, the consumer side that their journey is changing and, you know, many of us know about contextual marketing. How does that kind of, where does that end and where does Persado begin? Uh, it's it, very simplistically, uh, contextual marketing is again, if I have to boil it down very simplistically, is matching some product or offer to a person given what they've done with the company. Okay, this is, and this is important, not to say it's not important, but if you don't also personalize the language they see, you are essentially foregoing about 
41% of the business that that communication could have driven. That is the essence of it. And again, if you, if you go to, you walk to any store, for example, and you have a great sales guys in front of you, what they will do, they will essentially assess what attributes you belong to, male, female, a certain age, millennial, not millennial, and then they adjust what they tell you. That is exactly what we do, but in the context of digital. So again, if I go back to consumers, it's potentially another level of intimacy. It's hard to measure. It's definitely another level of motivation. And that motivation, that's why we call it motivation AI, is reflected in many more engagements and many more conversions. Whatever the conversion is for that uh, company, it can be just signing up to a loyalty program. And today we know signing up to a loyalty program means that your value to the company on average, maybe 250% more over the life cycle of the customer. So that's, that's what we see. That's a big number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are big numbers and, and uh, it's not our, just our numbers, but, but motivating people to do the right things for them and the company is absolutely a growth engine for the company. So uh, many, many years ago, um, Omniture was, uh, came up with a tool to optimize websites or, or app screens where you can do A-B testing with different elements of the website moved into different spots, just different colors, different, different uh, pictures, obviously. And usually there was a text element in there, but that text element was static. Um, have you been able to implement Persado to understand how those different text elements in an A-B test perform differently with the personalized versus the standardized text? Yes. So we've done about 60,000 machine learning experiments in market. Uh, if I equate that to A-B testing, it's about 800,000 A-B tests. And the average of these A-B tests comparing, and when we deliver um, content to market, this personalized generated content, it always goes to market along with whatever the company has that was best at that time. And it may go through Adobe Target, it may go through Salesforce, it may go through Optimizely, it doesn't matter. And again, the difference in business conversions between motivation AI and essentially writing a message A or potentially a message A and B and comparing the two, the difference between them is 41%. That's the number. And it's measured with statistical significance uh, over the last eight years. I see. So if a company wants to increase their online conversion by 41% next year, then they should call you, right? Um, I would advise that. And if not, I'll send them a mail written by our machine and they will <laughs> definitely call me. But, but, uh, but again, this, the, the 41% is an average number across our clients and channels. So in web specifically, the act, the number, uh, for, for web, for example, will be closer to somewhere between, uh, <clears throat> nine and 14%. But on the traffic that goes to the web, which aggregates traffic from many places. So again, it's a sizable impact. Uh, we see some of our customers. So I'll give you an example. Uh, a retailer, a mid-size to mid-size retailer today that has, a, let's say, a growing online business, so they are about 20% penetration online or digital, 
they would get between 80 and 120 million dollars of revenue out of motivating customers with language. So really focusing on bringing data to the language decisions. This is what we're talking about. Today, you ask about comparison. Today, you compare that to no technology. The most people do is they write something. They may write something with a copywriting tool and they create A and B and that goes to market and that's it. The next time they write, they start from zero. There is no aggregated knowledge that is accumulated to uh, to guide the next generation. And this is where Persado excels. That's really interesting. I mean, as I think about, right, we're in the middle of earnings season right now, and there's a lot of concern over the, the macro environment in 23. Would you think that retailers would be kind of focusing more on, you know, kind of rethinking their marketing strategy? Should they, or do you think they will be, you know, we saw right during the pandemic and there were obvious reasons when things were, you know, kind of technically it was not easy to enter a retail store. We saw a massive pullback on marketing, maybe, maybe an overcorrection. I do worry a little bit that they go back to that most recent muscle memory. How do you think they should be considering right their investments in marketing and, and kind of different solutions for 23? Again, a good question. So I, I, first of all, I think that the CFO will come and knock on the door of CMOs and CDOs uh, to ask them to essentially, if not stagnate some investment, uh, take them out to some extent. Uh, sometimes it, mostly it comes from the uh, media side of the business, but also to some extent on technology. <clears throat> I think that uh, companies should, uh, in terms of their strategy, they, they should really have a very good view of the channels that today drive uh, acceptable returns in terms of uh, customer behavior. So do customers interact on that channel or not? Do they buy from that channel or not? And go all in on these channels. So there is always a pecking order. You may have, again, email and web and mobile and mobile web and social and other areas. Uh, not all, of course, drive the same. Uh, I would focus on the potentially top three, top two, top four. <clears throat> and there, uh, at least, again, from my perspective, but I'm Persado, so I'm biased. I would definitely look to investments that bring immediate uh, return and in a greenfield area. So what, what we see that we think is a mistake today is people replatform. So they go from X to Y, from a Salesforce to Adobe, from Adobe to Salesforce. And this is at most incremental in impact, at most. Asaf, I'm, I'm guilty here. I'm guilty. So you just, <laughs> I feel like there's a big spotlight on us. <laughs> but it's like, you don't like one thing in an area, you like move to another without. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely hear what you're saying. It's, it hits very close to home. Yeah, it's, it's, and I, and it, for me, I mean, I'm okay. I, I will say the words, it drives me crazy because I don't understand while there are areas, not just Persado, but if I take the Persado example, you have, uh, hundreds or thousands of communications going to millions of people. And when I ask who wrote the message, 
and they say it's Johnny from X or Jenny from Y. And I, I say, there, you have zero technology in everything your customer sees. And there is proof. If you change the language, it will have an impact, an immediate one. So I, again, it's, but there are po potentially other areas where it's, it's not just incremental with some potential in the future. It's now. And it's, it's in a greenfield area. Uh, this is, this is what I would look for. Uh, if, if I were a CMO, but nobody lets me. <laughs> this idea of, um, finding the channels that, you know, are pr producing the best makes me think interesting, um, uh, opportunity perhaps because where it sounds like where Persado is working right now is towards the bottom of the funnel, if you will. Have you thought about ways to move your technology higher up the funnel? So maybe instead of just the web page or the app, you're now, you're now writing copy for, uh, television ads. I mean, there's a huge amount of fragmentation in the media landscape. So you won't necessarily know exactly who's watching, but you can find shows that might align with your particular emotional language segments. And this is a very, again, it's, it's a good question. So. For us, the digital realm and when companies use us on their digital channels, first of all, it's also for acquisition. So it can be social uh, search, uh, and the path to purchase uh, across the path. <clears throat> but we try to also educate them and tell them your digital activities, because it's measured, it's a machine learning engine for the company to learn how to talk to customers more broadly. So what we do is because we have this language model that knows how to identify emotions that work and narratives and stories, we aggregate that to insights. And those insights uh, are summarized in a brief that can be given and is given to the CMO on the brand side and the agencies to guide them on production of communication that are above the line, exactly as you said. So. If I were the CMO and I was about to potentially invest in some Super Bowl campaign, I would look at this data because if I intend to uh, talk to, I'll just, again, use the, the word millennials. Everybody uses that. Millennials uh, in the U.S., uh, I don't know, male or female, depending on the product potentially, then we are able to provide what emotions and how to convey them. And then somebody else can take that and materialize that to an ad, as you say. So that's how we do it for the areas we don't touch directly. We influence via analytics. And who do you think, if you think, I love how you talked about this kind of analytics side. I mean, we often work with the heads of data analytics at you know, some of the retailers and brands. And I always, you know, as somebody who's very data driven in decision making, right? When I when I can see facts and then, you know, ask questions about how we got there to then make a decision. I do find in many organizations, right, there's a bit more of a, you know, let me kind of see which way the wind is blowing. How do you reconcile that challenge? And who are you often talking to in an organization? Yes, I could see where, you know, kind of CFO and whatnot, but but who ultimately is like pulling the trigger and saying, you know, this is how we think about the ROI. This is how we think about spend. How how does that kind of all come together? 
So you're right. It's uh, despite uh, many, you, you said in your, in your research, uh, 70% of companies say they do personalization, 30% of consumers say they experience it. Uh, I would say 70% of marketing executives say they are data driven, but 30% of the vendors experience it. <laughs> so, so it's, <clears throat> What is important in any organization today, there are people who are data driven. Of course, for us, it's, uh, there is an aspect in the chief digital officer, which usually is a person that is supposed to measure and almost overlaps a bit with the CFO from some perspective because of the, uh, intense focus on investment versus return on different channels. So, and the more they are sophisticated and with data capabilities, the better it is for us. The other part uh, is business owners, the business line owners. These are the best uh, audience we can have. So I'll, in a bank, it can be the head of cards and the head of cards may have a target, 20% increase in cards next year. And the other um, areas, marketing and marketing operation, they are essentially his customers. He gives them budget to fulfill his desire. Now, if he says, I want Persado or another technology, they usually have a lot of power to drive this decision and say, these guys or those guys have proven potentially via a pilot or a reference that they can drive this impact that I'm looking for because I own a number. And th the last aspect is essentially PNL owners, people who run a business, <laughs> They are more likely to interact well with data in terms of how data drives business. That's what we have experienced at least. You have a, a really broad experience across your base of clients for what first party data each of them is, you know, has collected and is using. Do you have a sense of what um, would be, you know, what's the most important? What, what's the best practice in terms of a, a big brand collecting and using first party data? I would, as, as a data guy, I would say collect any data you can. Uh, and that data is, uh, data that can come from them providing it. So if you ask for data, and even for that, you can use motivation AI to ask people to provide that. What's your email address and what's your, uh, uh, potentially age or other elements uh, that you may want. So demographic data. Uh, there is the contextual data that is very important that this is gathered from interactions with your brand across channels. And the first one is, of course, uh, email, SMS, and web. Uh, this is a must-have. Where we see a gap, by the way, is uh, retailers uh, obviously have, not obviously, but a fair amount have offline operations. And we see a gap in their ability to bring the offline data into the mix. Okay. So point of uh, sale and stores and all that, if it is gathered, it somehow is not integrated to the full mix. And I think that if they want to bridge the gap between online and offline, this will be definitely the next place to look at because, because there is a lot of data there. Is there technology that uh, will sense when a particular cell phone walks through the front door of your store and 
knows how long that phone is in in the store and maybe can ping Bluetooth to say, hey, we know you're here and it's you? Technology-wise, it's possible. Uh, Privacy-wise, maybe not. But you still interact in the point of sale. And some people do say things. I prefer this. I prefer that. Maybe you add a little, uh, a little survey of three questions that become part of your first party data. And this is your, I mean, the most potentially the most intimate data that the customer is willing to talk about and for you to gather. But it's not. It's, uh, at most, uh, you, you, you are asked which is the right thing to do to potentially become part of a loyalty program uh, for a discount, which is good, but there is much more you can do. You know, one thing I want to kind of step back a bit because, you know, sitting on several public boards in retail specifically, one, one of the things that I think, you know, and kind of it really does fall under ESG, but around kind of increased sensitivity to, you know, how people want to be referred to and how important it is to kind of get the right message to the right person. So I actually think that this is what was so interesting when we first met. I was like, you know, it's like I'm hearing about this all all day long. I've just never met anyone who could actually solve for this. And and I think there's an increased almost anxiety around sending out something that, you know, could upset somebody in a way that we may not be aware of. And so I, I do feel as if it's very interesting in an era where we're, you know, I, I think it's great that we're, we really want to kind of individualize, you know, everyone has, you know, very different backgrounds and how, how do, how do you kind of take all of that into account? And have you seen kind of this, this angle, like I said, it's, it's really coming up much more in the last six months around just the sensitivity almost in messaging. And I'd never, I'd never really seen it at that level before. So just really like to understand how you're, you're seeing that. So we, we've seen that <clears throat> even before, uh, and that was during the, the onset of the pandemic and the financial services companies we work with were anxious uh, because anxious, first of all, that there may be issues on uh, payment, collection, loans, and all that. Uh, but almost at the same level, uh, how to now communicate with customers without, uh, or without being tone deaf to their situation, to their predicament, which is this crazy world, uh, that they were in now. Uh, and they asked us, uh, what should we do? And we told them, oh, that's a very good challenge. So on our side, at least, we, we developed something called a mindful narrative. So it's, it's a language model that inserts words and phrases that, uh, essentially are designed to <clears throat> make any communication a bit more friendly and uh, empathetic. Okay. And, and we gave that back, of course, and they used it. Now, you're saying something that is more profound in, in this era of somewhat individuality. How do you take that into account? And we haven't yet. Uh, <clears throat> so if, if we use personalization in, in, in communication, would be the name, for example, uh, till we solve for that, I would, I would recommend avoiding 
the language that may create issues. So if, if you have pronouns that you're not supposed to use, don't use pronouns at all if you can, uh, from that perspective. Um, and in that context, if you use AI and you tell the AI do X or Y, or you post-process the output and you say this yes and this not, at least you have consistency across all communications. And again, companies communicate a lot today without ever meeting the customer. That's a really excellent point. I That really holds, you know, kind of hits very close to home and I, I think it is very important for, once again, some of the retailers that we're working closely with. So, Philip, I'm going to give you the kind of the, 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 the last question today. Make it a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I just want to let us off. I want to let you know this is really fascinating. Um, you know, I've been involved in testing, marketing, and marketing communications and things for my whole career. And uh, a application of, of machine learning and AI to develop effective language um, it is obviously the next step. And I think you guys are doing an amazing job. And I'm really excited. What, I, I'm curious what you're most excited about for uh, Persado over sort of the next year, year and a half. Uh, so for me, we are, we are apparently part of a big wave, uh, at least in technology, called generative AI. Uh, and I think that in the next two, three years, it, it will transform enterprise not just Persado, in, in various places, from how you educate onboard employees to how you write uh, full letters to uh, any communication within, internally, or with consumers. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that the world caught up with us because we started about nine years ago and these technologies uh, now are, are growing uh, via other companies as well. Uh, so I think this is extremely exciting um, and to be to be proud of ourselves we foresaw that <laughs> so the fact that we humans we have the ideas how to implement those ideas the best way and use data along with it is really where AI excels and I think that we are doing it other companies are doing it and this is it's just fascinating to live for us in this day of age with the hope that the world will become a bit more balanced <laughs> along with it. <laughs> That's a good way. To, I mean, Asaf, I have to say, I, I want to kind of reflect what Philip said. This is probably one of the most interesting 30-minute conversations I've, I've had in quite some time. I, I feel like I need to go back and like just digest and reflect. I, I really want to thank you for joining us. I, I think there is a lot that retailers and brands can think about in terms of their spending, their ROI, and maybe just trying something new for next year. And this idea that, you know, the world is changing, the consumer is changing. And, you know, with the sophistication in terms of AI and NLP, I, I think now is, now is the time. So it, it, it really is. I cannot argue against that. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thanks to our audience and to listen to this and other podcasts from Retailistic. Please like, subscribe on your channel of choice. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks so much. Thanks, Asaf. Thanks, Philip. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye.